We're going to be in Psalm chapter 1 this morning as we uh, take some time during the summer to walk through some Psalms. Uh, they're just great as a great reminder for us. It is a, I really enjoy the Psalms. I, I enjoy how God has used them in my own life. A Psalm is a song. You hear my difference there, right? A psalm is a song. It's, a, it's written as a song. They would sing these in the congregation as the people of God would come together and gather together to worship. And this is the first one in the book. And it is what is called a psalm of wisdom. It is part of that wisdom literature. So as you're opening your Bible to Psalm chapter 1, let me ask you this question. What makes you happy? What is that thing that kind of... You just can't wait to see when you wake up in the morning. For me, one of the things that I like in the morning, especially the morning, is my cup of tea. I'm a tea drinker. I think it's superior than coffee. You can blame me about that later. I don't care. But as I, as I sit there, and one of the best things I like about it, one of the things I look forward to are that one hour or so in the morning before chaos comes. I have a family, so there's always chaos. Um, and it's that one peace and quiet. I am not a morning person, so I desperately need that. Generally, it takes me about five hours to wake up, but that, at least that one hour uh, to just come. It is something that I delight in, that I enjoy, that I just cherish every morning to get up. I get up, I drink my tea, I work out, uh, maybe in a reverse order there, but those are those that hour or so is a, a time that I cherish the most. Even this morning, you know, I was up early, I went over my sermon, did my devotions, worked out, drank my tea. I actually drank my tea way early in this morning, so it's starting to wear off now. <laughs> but what is that thing that makes you happy? What is that thing? When you close your eyes, what is that thing? In Psalm 1, as I was saying, we are looking at a psalm that is part of the genre of wisdom. You can look at a book in the Bible like Proverbs, and Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It is full of wisdom. These aren't laws. These aren't guarantees. They're wisdom, right? One of the biggest mistakes as parents is often raise your kids up in the way of the Lord and they won't depart, right? Not, that's not a guarantee of salvation, right? It's, a, it's wisdom, right? But this is wisdom here as we enter into the Psalm chapter 1 as well. And as we look at this psalm, it is showing us two things that concern really the whole Bible. There's two different types of people. And the psalmist lays this out for us. There are sinners and there are righteous. There are those who are outside of Christ, those who are in Christ. In Psalm 1, we're introduced to these two people, and each one of them delight in something. The question is for you and for me, which one are you? So if you have your Bibles with you, please open them to Psalm chapter 1. Word of the Lord says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. 
Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And this is the word of the Lord. In verses 1 to 2, we see this first statement that there's a difference between two different types of people. We see right off the bat, blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. And this is talking about a person who is happy because they have the favor of God being poured out upon them. Blessed is the man, blessed is the person who understands the favor that God has given them. And favor from God is not something that we have merited. It's not something that we have worked. It has been given to us. That's called grace. For all those who are in Christ, we have experienced the grace, the amazing, the awesome grace of God. And not because of something that you and I have ever done, but because of what he has given it to us. Why? No idea. It causes me to praise him, though. To dwell upon the fact that as we were just reflecting upon that Dave actually brought up about what is the church or who is the church, that, that God in his grace has called me to himself, not because of something I have done, but just because of his grace to me. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the person. And this is a person who has, is living a godly life and is held up as an example for us to follow. There are many examples in the Old Testament of examples. Examples of what not to do and examples of what to do. There's plenty of them. And here is an example of what we are to do. The root of all this, as I was saying, that this is a book of wisdom. And I was reminded this past week, uh, as a family, we're doing family worship, and we're, part, we're in Proverbs right now as a family, and Proverbs 1 verse 7 blatantly says that the beginning of wisdom is what? The fear of the Lord. So the whole root of this, all of the wisdom that we will see here, starts with not only understanding the favor that God has poured out on us, but the fear that we have of him a holy reverence of our awesome God. And before someone says, oh, fear is just talking about reverence, well, it is also holding intention the fact that, yes, God loves us, but he is also capable of wiping us off the face of the planet. He is our God. He is creator. He is holy above all things. And this is what we see here. So blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. The counsel, the idea of counsel is that idea of getting the, the, the lifestyle that they should avoid, getting advice from other people outside of what we will see in God's word. It's about getting your advice mainly on Facebook or TikTok or the news rather than spending our time in the word of the Lord. It's a lifestyle that we are to avoid, to not emulate. These are wicked people, people who have been judged guilty in a court of law. These are people who fail to live up to the standard of righteousness. But not only that, they are, they are, they, they are sinners. These aren't people who, like, I don't know, stole uh, a chocolate bar one time. These are the people who are constantly stealing the sinner is this constant habitual person who's constantly in sin. And not only that, 
Blessed is the person nor sits in the seat of scoffers. These are people who are actively seeking uh, to, to, to express mockery upon a lifestyle that is seeking to be righteous. In our day and age, you see that all the time. It's almost normal now. You watch TV, you watch a show. I was actually, there's a show that Steph and I, we watch, we think it's funny, uh, but one of the things I'm starting to notice is that it's not even a new show, it's an old show. The family is quote-unquote Christian in there, but the lifestyle that they have is in constant mockery of who God is. So here we are. Blessed is a man who does not walk, who does not entertain, who does not uh, sit with and, 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 and allow that advice to come into your life. Does that mean that you don't ever rub shoulders with people who are not of the same? No, because we are called to be disciples who make disciples of Jesus Christ. In order to be faithful in that call, you actually have to have friends, or maybe not necessarily friends, but acquaintances that are not the same as you. But we do hold things in tension. Where are you getting your advice from? Where are you getting? The righteous person avoids all wicked. It is not that there is a, a blessedness. It is not that there is a blessedness or happiness, but there is not just a don't do that, okay? There's not just a list of, hey, uh, don't do these things. There is also a list, as we read on here, that says, do this. As verse 2 comes and says, But delight in the law of the Lord, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Instead of being associated or getting advice from everything and anything else that is living in this world around us, the psalmist comes and says, Blessed is the person who is delighting in the word of the Lord, who, who delights in the law of the Lord. The idea of the law of the Lord is, is guidance and, 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 and advice. It counters the advice of the wicked, the sinners, and the scoffers. Blessed is he who delights in the law of the Lord and what he has done for us. God has given us his word. Can we say that? This is his word. He inspired this. This is an errant, infallible word of God. We talked about this a few months ago as we walked through our statement of beliefs and what that means for us. We don't have to guess what God's will is for our lives. It's here. How does God want us to act in a dating relationship? Well, right there. Who are we to marry? Dates, whatever. Well, right there. How are we to handle our finances? Well, it's right there. How about church? How about if someone offends me in the church? How am I supposed to interact with them? Well, right there. Guess what? Bear with one another. We get offended every day. Move on. That's essentially what the Bible says. Because why? Because of what God has done for us. This is a person that delights in the law of the Lord. We don't have to guess and every time I open the word of God, every time I read the word of God, I come face to face with him. I see more and more of who he is as I spend time in his word. And I see how he has a character that never changes. That his promises are always true. 
that he keeps everything. And this is a person who meditates it day and night. Meditation within the Bible is not the same as what we have been exposed to often uh, through, uh, through t- television or entertainment of some kind. Meditation that we see oftentimes on TV or in a show or in a movie is this Eastern mysticism of emptying yourself. I need to sit there, I need to be quiet and not think about anything and just empty yourself. But when we look at meditation within the Bible, it's about filling yourself. It's about directing your thoughts upon something, about focusing on it. And we're talking about focusing and dwelling upon the Word of God every day. The Bible is very different than what we talk about. What the Bible is talking about is an intellectual engagement with the texts. We are talking about meditating with all of our hearts and with all of our minds. This isn't talking about a, when we're talking about meditation, it's not like I'm going to wake up in the morning or the afternoon or the evening, whenever you do your personal devotional time, and you open your Bible, you read the thing uh, that says on your checklist, and you kind of check it off, and you walk away and close your Bible, and I'm done for the day. I did my duty. That's not what this is talking about. We're talking about a meditation upon the Word of God. It's about looking at Psalm 1 and reading it and going over, God, what am I learning about who you are and what you have done for me? What what do I learn about who I am? God, is this telling me anything about what I should be or to do? It's like taking a wet cloth and wringing it dry, getting every single last drip of water of goodness out out of that text. You're meditating upon it. You're, 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 you're thinking about it during the day. You're, you're applying it to your life. You're meditating on it day and night, learning more about who God is. It's funny, when we were uh, on vacation, so one of the last sermons I preached here was on, in John, and it was on the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, then we went to another church because we like to still go to church and they preached the same passage but in Matthew. And then Pastor Bob last week preached it on Mark. There's three different applications coming out of that, those, that story. Ringing it constantly. One of the mind-boggling things to me, if you read Puritan literature, Puritan books is that they'll take like a little verse, like maybe part of a verse, part of a sentence, and they'll write like a 300-page book on it. They're just wringing it, getting everything. They're meditating upon it day and night. The righteous person loves and studies the word of God while the wicked person hates it. They don't care. You can't be a person who is meditating upon the word of God and not have a changed life. There's a daily effect of that person, which is why we get into verses 3 and 4, which, says, which is talking about the difference of how two lives are. Verse 3, he says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. 
He is like a tree planted by trees, streams of water. This is a person who is abiding in Christ. There's this great little quote by a guy named J.C. Ryle who says this, And no man can grow in holiness except he abides in Christ. Christ is the great root from which every believer must draw his strength to go forward. Beautiful. See, the outcome of roots that go deep in Christ is something that we see in Jeremiah. In Jeremiah, 20, in Jeremiah 17, verse 8, it says this, He is like a tree planted by waters. Sound familiar? That sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. See the outcome of a tree that is planted by streams of water are roots that go deep, that even during hard times, they still remain fruitful because their roots are deep into the source, into the water. That person will endure. They won't be like the chaff that we see in verse 4. Why? Because of the streams. Because just like trees drink from a stream, the righteous drink from the instruction of the Lord. And they prosper because of it. And before we kind of come along and be like, hey, that means I'm going to get a lot of money. No, that's not what this is talking about. Because we often know that even the most righteous people still suffer and don't have everything, right? This idea of prosperity is what we kind of see in Isaiah. I love Isaiah 55. It is like my verse. Because I'm a fumbling preacher. And then this is what the word of the Lord says about his word. In Isaiah 55, verse 10, it says, For as rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, hear this, so shall my word go that goes out from my mouth. It will not, it shall not return to me empty but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. When we're looking at Psalm 1 and we're looking at that word prosper, it's the same word that is used in the psalmist for succeed. For the person who's planted deep in the waters, whose tree, as a tree, you are planted deep by the stream, who is Christ, you will succeed in the things that God has put out before you. You will grow in Christ-likeness. You will bear fruits even during times of drought because your roots are deep, deep in the source, in the stream. I want to think, uh, this is a type of tree where its fruit is in season and its leaves do not, do not wither. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Peru. Beautiful uh, country in South America. Beautiful country. Very unique country. 
because there's all sorts. They got jungles and they got deserts. But in the south of Peru, there's this place. I think we got a picture up there. There's a place uh, that's in Peru. And you see all of the dunes that are around it, all the sand, all the desert, and then smack dab in the middle of nowhere, there's this oasis. And all around the oasis, you see how green that is? Good, you can't see it. You see how green that is? You see all the harsh climate that is all around it, but around the water, you see these trees and bushes and all sorts of greenery, and it's sprouting out, and it's strong, and it's healthy. Not only that, there's a village. As people, as those plants, roots, get deep into the, into the water. Think of an oasis in the middle of the southern Peruvian desert lies a speck on a map. How can all of this vegetation withstand the harshness of that climate? Their roots are deep in and around the water source. A tree may flourish or fade depending upon where it's located. Where are you planting yourself this morning? What are you delighting in the most? The newest Netflix show? Sports, family, scrolling through your Facebook feed, which always says the same thing. Checking out the latest TikTok, which also says all the same thing because everyone plagiarizes itself. Or are you getting your roots deep into the word of the Lord, which will sustain you during the tough times? Because our lives have ever-changing circumstances, don't they? I don't know about your life, but my life is like a roller coaster. One day, you're like high as a kite. You can't wait. You know that feeling on a roller coaster when you're getting up higher, and you're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Maybe you don't feel like that, but I do. But then you get down to the deeps and the shallow, and then you're, regret- <laughs> you're regretting that. <laughs> Life is like a roller coaster some days. In the, word of the God, in the word of God, it is there that I come face to face with the living God. It is there that I'm reminded of the never-changing character of God. That even in the midst of my ever-changing life, even in the midst of your ever-changing life, my God never changes. How can I withstand the circumstances of this life? The psalmist's answer is, what do you delight in the most? What do you delight in the most? Someone I'm close to is now in their final days, I would say, of their life. They grew up going to church the whole nine yards, strong person. But it's amazing how during hardships, as life comes to a close, you begin to see how the roots are planted. My encouragement to that individual is always this, finish well. Finish well. And how you finish depends upon where your roots are, where you're getting your roots deep in. You know, one of the cool things about what Dave said is that Uh, when we're doing our family worship time is that church is about reminding each other of who we are, that we are a hospital waiting room, 
I've, I've said this before about how I saw this picture of World War II on the beaches of Normandy, and there's a medic going over a bunch of soldiers, and he's patching them up, and the caption underneath was, this is the church. That's the church. We come together beaten and bruised from a week of however our lives have been, and our, we have to remind each other once again where the streams of life are because we forget, because we're fickle. I'm fickle, you are too. We're all on the same page. And we all need to be reminded of the living waters, the stream that come through. It's funny, uh, as a pastor, how often you get to walk with people during their final days and how confronting that is for me. God, help me to finish well. Help me to have my roots deep in you so that when life is so unbearably uncomfortable, like physically uncomfortable as you're twitching in pain, help me to be able to still praise you in that. Because my roots were deep in you. That I'm reminded that you are still good, even though these circumstances don't always look so good. Remind me. Help my roots to be deep. In all their ways, they prosper as the psalmist keeps going on. And this is the idea that uh, the prosperity of the righteous reflects the wisdom of a life lived according to the plan of God. Think about this with me. Think about your finances. Think about raising children. Think about going to church. Think about uh, God-centered sexuality. Think about marriage. Think about all the things that this world has that happen in our lives. To delight in the word of the Lord is to cherish it, to love it, to apply it by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. There's a rippling effect that happens when we do that, and it begins to affect every area of our lives. Are we perfect? By no means. Are we growing in Christ's likeness? Yes. Are we more sanctified this week than we were the week before? Yes. Do you have a greater understanding of what God has done? Yes. Does it show in our lives? Yes. The wicked, but the wicked are not so. There's a contrast that begins to be, be painted for you and for me of what it means to delight in the word of the Lord. What are the outcomes of the word of the Lord? Dwelling and d- delighting in it means that you're a tree, like you're, it's like you're a tree planted by waters, but on the other side, the one who does not delight in the word of the Lord is not like that. They're like chaff. They're like the ones who get blown away. And when you're thinking about chaff, back, back in the Bible, when they would harvest wheat, they would get it all in a big pile, and they would just start throwing it up in the air with their forks, with their whittling forks. And they would throw it up in the air, and the heavy wheat would fall to the ground, but the chaff, which was light on a blowy, breezy day, would blow away because there was no weight, there was no substance. The wicked who does not delight in the word of the Lord will just be blown away. So let's go back to those situations. Think about your finances. Think about raising children. How about marriage? You know, when I read the Bible, I learn that God has given me everything that I have. That I'm called to give generously out of what God has given me. And out of that, there comes a reorientation of my finances. I no longer am coveting what Billy down the street has in his brand new car. Because I have Christ who is enough. And I can give generously with what he has given me. 
Think about raising children. I heard a story the other day about parents who started raising their kids with never saying no to them. Like, what are the ramifications of that? Unbelievable, right? I was a youth pastor. I've encountered those kids. Uh, They heard no all the time from me. Right? What are the ramifications when we leave the discipling of our children to an education system that is wicked sinner scoffers? What are the ramifications of that? Right? We see how the word of the Lord applied to our lives affects us. How about a marriage? How about a marriage that's all about me and what I get out of a marriage? Instead of as a husband, I look at my wife as Christ looks at his church and gives of himself for his wife. Or my wife who's called to respect me. In a world where in TV, the husbands are never respected. You notice that? They're a bunch of buffoons. Bunch of buffoons. Every time I'm like, what in the world? You think that's not planned? That's planned. Don't, don't, Disney has a plan. Disney has a plan. You heard me. I love Disney, by the way, but Disney has a plan. Don't let Disney disciple your children. Look about that. The wicked are pictured as lightweights, people with no real substance or worth. They don't have what it takes to withstand the drought and the storms of life. They are like a dead and rootless plant. A puff of wind carries them away. But those who delight in the word of the Lord, when your marriage gets tough, when your finances get hard, when you're crunched between, when, you're, when your kids are at school and they're, inter, and they're being bombarded every single day for eight hours of things counter to who God is. The word of the Lord, those who delight in it are able to counter that. Don't tell me the educational system does not have a plan for your child. The educational minister two weeks ago got in trouble for taking a paragraph out of the math curriculum for grade nine that actually holds up to things that are counter to the word of God. I'm thankful for that, by the way, because my child's going to be in grade nine soon too. Jesus talks about the hardships of this too in Matthew 7, verses 13 to 14, about two gates, two different types of people. A broad gate giving entrance to the way that leads to destruction and a narrow gate that leads to life. You want the source of happiness? The source of happiness is rooted in Christ. A truly happy person is rooted deeply into the word who is Jesus. We see this in Colossians 3, verse 11, which says Jesus is all. The lightness of the wicked is built on, on as we look, as we continue to look at these lives in verses 5 to 6. Therefore, the wicked will not stand. They will not stand the judgment. They will not withstand the judgment of a holy God because they are not a person who is seeking after righteousness. They are not a righteous person. They don't care for the things of God, which shows ultimately the heart that they have. 
A heart that has been changed, a heart that's a new heart, a new creation delights in the Lord, delights in the word of the Lord. A heart that has not been changed does not delight. And therefore, the psalmist comes along and says, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment. They will not stand against the judgment of a holy God because we are all sinners. We've all rebelled against the holy God. We're all deserving of a do right punishment, which is hell itself. Outside of Jesus Christ, outside of faith in Jesus Christ, outside roots that are deep into Jesus Christ, I stand before that judgment alone. But Hebrews says I have an advocate. Hebrews tells me that I have someone who's, who's, who will stand in my place. I learn in the word of God about his righteousness which is imputed upon me for all those who confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior will be saved. Their roots are deep. They can withstand that which is coming. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, as verse 6 says. He knows the ways of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So what do we do with all of this? What makes you happy? What makes you happy? What is it that you delight in? When you get up in the morning, what is the thing that you just can't wait to do? Or whatever is your best part of the day. What is your... What is it the thing that you can do, want to do that you just can't wait? What makes you happy? See, there's two types of people that we see within this. There are two kinds of people in the world. There's tree people and chaff people. The tree people or the righteous person is blessed when they consciously live in the presence of the word. And as we have walked through the Gospel of John over the past while, we see that the Word became flesh and that He would cause the law to be written on our hearts for our instructions. The chaff people is the one who does not delight in the Word of the Lord, but in everything else but. They will not stand, they will not know blessings, Further, they will not stand in judgment. Now hear me, I'm not saying that watching a show is bad. And I'm not saying sending your kids to public school is bad. I'm not saying those things. I'm saying is what is the thing that gives you instruction in your life? When you close your eyes and the advice you're giving your brothers and sisters, is it found from TikTok or from the Word of God? For those who don't know what TikTok is, it's a social media platform with videos. It's highly addictive. Or Instagram. Or whatever. Let us delight in the word of the Lord. And like ripples in a pond, it will change our lives. It will make us different people. Who are you? What are you delighting in? this day. The word of the Lord shows me who he is and what he has done for me. That I am an undeserving, wretched sinner saved by his amazing grace. That no matter what circumstances I face in this life, he does, never, he does not change. My God does not change. He is the same yesterday and today and forevermore. He never changes. 
What's going to make you withstand the droughts that is going to come? And I know sometimes we enter into our Bible reading time and we're like, man, I'm, this is just rough. I'm not getting anything out of it. Fall on your knees and pray. Pray. Holy Spirit, help me. God, help me. Help me to desire you more above all things. Help me to delight in you above all things. And Lord, by your Spirit, help me to live the things out that I see here. One of the things I pray every week as I'm preparing for the sermon is this, Lord, help me to apply the things that I'm learning here. I don't just preach to you. I preach to myself. May we be a people who delight in the word of the Lord because that has ramifications for the city of London that desperately needs Jesus. You drive down the streets lately? They need Jesus. This city desperately needs Jesus. And we are the light in the dark place. Our roots have to be deep to withstand all of the circumstances that change. But let us go out also proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Awesome, God, we just thank you for today. And Lord, as I dwell upon this passage, I see how many things in my life I delight in over you, so forgive me of these things. Forgive us, Father, of delighting in other things, to delight in things of the sinners, the scoffers, and the wicked, rather than in you. And God, I pray that that would have a ramification for our lives, that we would be people who just love and adore you with everything we have, that that would show in our relationships with one another, that we would be a people that love each other because we've first been loved by you. Let us go into our communities declaring the good news of Jesus Christ because we love those people who you've placed in our lives and because we have the hope, we have eternal hope that this world so desperately needs. So Lord, may we be a people who strive to have our roots in you more and more. May we delight more and more in your word. It is through that that we will prosper and be like a tree giving fruit. And amen.